Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wordplay, the podcast for all sorts of writing. My name is Wyatt, and today we're going to be doing things a little differently. We were planning on doing a showcase of some horror fiction sent in by fellow students, but due to a limited number of submissions, we weren't actually able to talk about it. We did get some submissions, but a lot of them were memes, or not really horror. And while I appreciate it, I thought it was hilarious, personally. Uh, that wasn't really what we could talk about. So instead, we're going to be talking about horror fiction as a whole. Normally we have a guest on the show, but again, due to due to some unexpected due to an unexpected lack of submissions, uh, we don't really have any guests or any sort of thing like that. So this is going to be me. We're going to be talking about horror. Uh, but without further ado, let's get right into it. So horror fiction is an incredibly interesting animal because it can come in so many different forms. Uh, probably the one that everyone is most familiar with is that of the horror movie. You know, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, all those classic horror movies, even some of the new ones like It, uh, The Conjuring. That one's not really new, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, but there are lots of, lots of different types of horror fiction, with the main one that we're going to be talking about being that of like written fiction. Uh, short stories, books, I mean everybody's heard of Stephen King in one way, shape, or form. Uh, he's he's published a lot of pretty pretty good horror, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, all of that. Uh, but what what really sets horror fiction apart from or like short stories and like novels apart from horror movies, video games, stuff like that? is that uh, the written literature has to rely on something other than jump scares and, you know, sound. In a, in a movie such as... Actually, no. In a movie or a video game, uh, you have to rely... Like, the, the source material is able to affect you in two in the case of movies, or three in the case of video games, uh, three ways uh, can actually affect the viewer. The most obvious would be sight, with the second being sound, but in the case of video games, <coughs> excuse me, in the case of video games, uh, one can also consider, like, their own actions and the touch that is experienced from, like, the vibration of a controller, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, you know, some prime examples of that would be, uh, the movie version of It. Uh, there are, there's a lot going on visually and, uh, and audibly. You know, during, during the first opening portion of the movie, they've got that, uh, they've got the whole scene with George. I'm not gonna spoil anything, it's been out for a while, but I don't wanna spoil anything. They've got the very first scene with Georgie and the first appearance of Pennywise, and visually, that is disturbing. Same thing could be said with audibly and, like, the sounds that are made. It's a very disturbing uh, experience, especially if that's, like, if you've seen the uh, the previous, like, miniseries, the, the original It miniseries. Uh, it's definitely a step up. And... Even, like, again, no spoilers, but even in the second It movie, uh, there's a lot of disturbing imagery going on there. 
Um, another example would be a video game. Uh, it's actually one that I'm playing through right now. It's really fun. It's called Amnesia Rebirth. It's the third. It's the third game in the Amnesia series, and it's discussing. Uh, it's discussing, like, I guess the fears that people deal with that they didn't even know that they had. I haven't finished it yet, so I haven't like really gotten into the whole meaning of the overall story. But uh, when things happen that are scary. Uh, your controller vibrates, and I am also in direct control of what my character does, so it makes things a bit more... It makes things a bit more involved, and it makes it easier for me to be immersed in the experience. Uh, another example would be that of Paranormal Activity, uh, with one example of that being, you know, the big old jump scare with the, the demon mask man or whatever it is i don't i don't actually know what it's supposed to be to be completely honest but if people have seen that movie they know what i'm talking about uh it's a spirit of some kind um and yet another example would be that of outlast which is another just another really good horror game it's uh about a reporter who goes into an asylum finds out that it's abandoned and sees a lot of things going on uh that Definitely, definitely violates some health and safety uh, standards, but uh, all of these are really good games, but they are also able to rely on different things aside from sight. You know, of course the visuals are going to be terrifying, uh, of course, you know, what they've got going on is supposed to be terrifying, but they can also fall back on sound and on touch in the case of video games. Um, and, and with all of that comes the issue of cliches and just general problems. You know, for instance, uh, one of the sound issues that comes with movies and video games is the, is the overuse of what's called the water phone. Uh, look it up, it's, it's, it's basically the instrument that you hear that makes all the scary noises. Uh, like, anytime there's creepy music, like, really creepy music, uh, that's the instrument they're using, and it makes a lot of creepy noises, it makes a lot of, like, clanging, the strings, it's, it's that instrument, and it's really terrifying, but a lot of times, uh, a lot of times directors, producers will overuse that in favor of making your skin crawl versus making you actually scared. Um... Another issue with visual, with uh, movies and video games would be that of like jump scares, it, especially in the case of like movies and one particular video game franchise, uh, <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's. Anyway, um, a lot of these, a lot of these mediums like completely rely on jump scares, and a jump scare here and there isn't a bad thing. In fact, uh. When the first jump scare was used, I'm sure that that was considered an innovation. But whenever, whenever your entire medium is comprised of that, that's that's a that's not e that's not only a problem; it's a weakness. Um, and then the final thing that I consider an issue when it comes to like, and this is an issue overall with horror and 
literature as a whole is the big twist at the end. A lot of times there's a big twist. Um, of course, I won't be able to think of anything now that I'm on now that I'm on the microphone. But uh, Outla <coughs> excuse me, Outlast has been out for long enough. I can I can spoil that. The big the big twist that uh of Outlast is that there is a man who has been tortured so much that he has become a ghost, basically. And at the very end of the game you kill the ghost, supposedly, but it turns out that like you yourself have become the host for the ghost. That rhymes and it sounds really strange. But that's kind of like the big twist and it kind of undermines a good chunk of what's going on uh and twists twists in general there's nothing wrong with a twist occasionally but when you're expecting a twist that's not a good thing in fact it's all it's honestly better to not have a twist and expect to have a twist than to have a twist and expect to have a twist if that makes any sense uh but one of the things about literature, like written literature, is that it can only rely on the one sense of sight. You know, you can't see what, or you can't hear what's going on in the, in the book. You can't touch what's going on in the book. You can touch the book, but you can't touch the events of the book, and you can't directly control that. And you can see what's on the page, but you're not, like, seeing the events. Uh... So, with that in mind, you can't rely on jump scares. You can't rely on, you know, instruments to give you goosebumps. You can't rely on things that are visually scary. You have to disturb your reader in such a way that everything seems awful in the weirdest and most awful ways possible, if that makes any sense. And the most prominent... Uh, example of this that I can think of would be that of H.P. Lovecraft. Now, H.P. Lovecraft has done a lot, but you would probably know him as the guy who created Cthulhu. Like, he's the he's the man behind that, right? Uh, and the thing about H.P. Lovecraft is a lot of times uh, his work relies on making the reader feel disturbed on, like, a psychological level. Not in the sense of like, oh, there's a killer out here doing this, that's terrifying. But rather, excuse me, but rather more of a uh, inner turmoil, like, oh my gosh, am I going insane kind of thing. And needless to say, a lot of his work is extremely effective at doing that. One of those examples being uh, his nove novella. The Shadow Over Innsmouth, Innsmouth. Uh, but it's basically a story about going into a fishing village, fishing hamlet, whatever you want to call it, and as the protagonist is there, he witnesses, you know, he talks to some people, he witnesses some disturbing events, and he ends up, like, uh, he ends up having these revelations about himself and all of these things and needless to say uh if you can garner that same reaction from your reader as the react as the if you can oh my gosh i'm not good at talking today i'm so sorry guys 
uh, if you can cause your reader to feel the same sort of disturbing feelings that the protagonist is feeling, you have succeeded. Uh, you know, needless to say, Cthulhu is another example of that. Uh, and one of the things about writing uh, horror literature in general is that you're leaving a lot more up to the imagination of the reader. For instance, let's say that you have an amateur horror story, right? You're, ri you're writing your new big horror story that you're expecting is going to make millions, right? Uh, you are going to terrify someone much more effectively if they don't know what's coming after them. Like, in the, in the story, if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, if, if a, if a, let's say, let's say that your story involves having a monster hunting you down, right? Hunting the protagonist down. Uh, if you describe exactly what the horror, what the horror is, then it's lost on some of the readers because what might be scary to the author might not be scary to the reader. You know, that's one of the reasons that, like, in Stephen King's It, the book, uh, Pennywise takes on, or sorry, It, takes on so many different forms because it takes on the forms of its uh, victims' worst fears. And we see a little bit of that in the movie, but for the most part, uh, It kind of takes the form of Pennywise, right? Um, but if you instead only give partial description, you know, describe what it sounds like, describe uh, what it smells like, you know, have it in the darkness so you can't fully make it out, but know that it's got three extra arms or, you know, three or four too many eyes, you know, all that stuff. Like, if you have that in there, it's going to disturb the reader because they themselves can't determine what it could be you know if you put too much detail say ah oh, it's loud tromping footsteps tromping i don't know if that's a word <laughs> uh it's loud uh it's loud stomping footsteps that's the better that's the better word this loud stomping footsteps uh were muffled by the fur on its back and it's pointed snout uh, bared its fang, like, all this stuff, right? You know, you're going to lead people to believe that that is, in fact, a werewolf. Or, you know, there were metal rods coming out of his head. Okay, that's Frankenstein's, mo Frankenstein's monster. I apologize. Didn't mean to say Frankenstein. I watched, uh, I watched the old, the old, old movies last night. Now it's stuck in my head. But, uh, but, you know, if you if the reader can guess what the horror is, maybe it's not going to be as scary. You know, not everybody's scared of a big furry dog. Not everybody's scared of clowns. Not everybody's scared of... Heck, not everybody's scared of Cthulhu. But if you go and you make an effort to make your horror vague, then you will inevitably succeed in disturbing more people than those you do not disturb, if that makes any sense. Uh, and I think it's really interesting that when it comes to writing horror, that is like 
one of the, that is one of the skills that is pretty necessary for good horror in books. You know, uh, and it's it's one of those things that like, yes, it's a good sense of description, but also that's something that's kind of unique to horror itself. You know, you can write action scenes in a novel and give a good chunk of detail, or you can give as little detail as you need to, as long as like what's happening is important. But whenever you are trying to explain this eldritch abomination that's occurring right next to you, or right next to the protagonist. I keep saying you, I don't mean to. I'm just using that as an example. If someone is trying to explain, like, this eldritch abomination that they are standing next to, or that's chasing them or hunting them or whatever, uh, it's going to be much more scary if nobody knows what it is. Because if nobody knows what it is, then it can be different for everyone you know it's got a pale white face it could be a clown it's got claws it could be a wolf it could be a werewolf it could be i don't know it could be the mothman from where is it alabama is that where it's from i don't remember where the mothman uh cryptid myth is supposed to take place but it could be anything if it has wings, it could be a giant bird, it could be a dodo bird, it could be an ostrich, it could be a bat, you know, it could be some sort of amalgamation of all three. Uh, it could literally be anything that the reader imagines, and that's what makes it so effective. Sure, if you're playing a horror game, you're going to be, you're going to be running from something. But inevitably, you're going to see what that something is. In fact, the only occasion that I have... The only time that I have ever played a game where I have been legitimately terrified of something because I didn't know what it was, was in, ironically, one of the Amnesia games. Uh, you, Your character ends up picking up a strange orb, and as soon as he does... Like, this evil entity starts following him, and you never see it. You never know what it is, but you know it's after you, and that is terrifying. Uh, it almost makes some of the grotesque horrors that you see in those games uh, child's play. So, in short, keep your descriptions vague when it comes to eldritch horrors and abominations. I think that overall it'll make things more effective, and... Not that, not that I'm an expert on this. I just think that it's very interesting when it comes to horror that that is a thing. Uh, but we're slowly starting to run out of time, so I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping things up. Uh, you know, as always, I enjoyed, I enjoyed recording this. I enjoyed being able to discuss horror with everybody. I hope that everybody enjoys what I have to say. Uh, for, the, for the next episode, we will be announcing that shortly. But please, please, if you decide to, if you decide that you want to be on the podcast, or if you want to talk about something, or if you just want to suggest something, please email us at wordplaypod at gmail.com. We'll take, we'll look, we'll take a look at your submissions. If we need more clarification, we'll email you back, uh, and we'll we'll get in touch with you. Also, if you want to check out some extra stuff. Uh, make sure to check out winthropwordplaypodcast.wordpress.com. It's a mouthful, but uh, 
it's our that's our little it's our little website. We have a little bit of extra information on on each podcast. We have a little bit of information about uh, both myself and Joshua. We're both you know the the hosts of the show. <laughs> uh, and we also have links directing you to the writing center if you need assistance with a paper or if you want to have a little bit of horror fiction. Uh, if you want to work on it, if you need a little bit of advice with some horror. Uh, without further ado, I hope that you all have a wonderful time, and we will catch you in the next one. Thank you so much.